sing this song Welcome to the Plot Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Cole, editor and publisher of Odessa Steps Magazine. The Plot is a co-production of Odessa Steps Magazine and the When It Was Cool Network. It's another sad and bittersweet episode this time as we're going to do another obituary episode, and that is for the legendary, multi-talented actor, director, producer, and singer, as it turns out, Alan Arkin, who passed away recently at the age of 89. I'm sure you may have your favorite Alan Arkin film. You'll have just have to see if it's one of the ones we're going to talk about. And by the way, when I said singer, you may not have known that was Alan Arkin singing at the beginning of the show. Before he became a full-time actor, he was also in a folk band called The Terriers, and that was their cover of the Banana Boat song, a.k.a. Deo. And you may be surprised also to learn that it actually placed higher in the charts that year than the Harry Belafonte version that we all know. So like I said, Alan Arkin died last week. Um, he's got dozens and dozens and dozens of films. Starting in 1957 with something called Calypso Heatwave, which he appeared in as a member of the Terriers, and they were playing the Banana Boat song and another song. But there, he also did a short film. But after that, his first major film, and one they're getting ready to play a clip of, we're going to try and hit uh, a bunch of the different decades. That is, The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming. And here's the trailer with him and co-star Carl Reiner. Hello there. This is your man in Moscow, Carlton Kaduli. This year, an estimated 23,000 Americans will visit the Soviet Union as tourists. We're interested in finding how many Russians are planning to visit our shores. May we speak with you, sir? You, if you're so able to, you can do it. Uh, what is your name, if may I ask? Yuri Rozanov. Yuri Rozanov. Yes. May I call you Yuri? You could call me by my uh, nickname. What's that? You. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, you. Are you planning in the near future to visit our great country? Indubitably not. You don't plan to visit? Not then your tintype. Are you interested in seeing America? Not for a minute. Then we'll explain it to you. I have been there. You have visited yes. our fine country. When, sir? I was there a uh, Sunday. Sunday, Sunday a week. You mean a week ago Sunday a you were in America? Sunday I was there. Well, tell me, sir, how did you get there? I got there, you guess. Well, you were in a tour, an excursion? No, no I wasn't. By plane? No. By boat? Submarine. That's and hard to believe, sir. That's hard to believe. It's an amazing story to behold, but we could demonstrate it to you. Could you? Well, how could you demonstrate this? We have photographs. You have moving. Moving photographs? Moving pictures. Where will we see these? You right here. You took these pictures? Indeed I did. In color and Panavision? Naturally, we invented it. You see, that is how we got to America. As you can imagine, we were not expected. 
Don't fire until you see the light. Get out of the way, it's Agnes Brill. Those crazy Americans, all we wanted was boat to pull our submarine off the reef and go home. There's the Reverend Hawthorne, and I'm still at my night thing. You help us get boat quickly, otherwise there is World War III, and everybody is blaming you. The Americans were not friendly, I take it. <laughs> I would say, uh, not friendly. I don't want you going outside at all. I don't want you near the windows, do you understand? Better yet, all of you stay in the cellar. You understand? Don't, don't fall over! Don't, don't fall over! You kiss at me. You big, incompetent flatfoot! That's it! For God's sake, why is it we can't learn to live together? You're right, Norman. Sir, those were just... Beautiful. I am, I am fascinated. I would like to see the whole movie. Well, by all means. Where can we see the rest of them? At my apartment. Or at this theater under the title, The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming. Or at my apartment. Or at his apartment. One of the best in a long time, says Life magazine. The funniest American comedy to come along, says the Saturday Review. Four stars. You will almost die laughing, but you will live to tell others to see this wild and wonderful comedy. Excruciatingly funny. New York Daily News. A hilarious troupe telling a hilarious tale in a hilarious way. Go. Enjoy. New York Times. Alan Arkin deserves an Oscar, says Time magazine. Wildly shaken by laughter, we feel it our bounden duty to warn our readers that they may never be quite the same again, says an editorial in the Washington Daily News. So you could pretty much guess the plot from that very long trailer. Trailers used to be a lot longer, kids. So let's give you the details. The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming is a 1966 film directed by and produced by Norman Jewison. It's based on the 1961 Nathaniel Betchley novel, The Offlanders, and was adapted by William Rose. I think you can pretty much guess the premise. A Russian submarine is off the coast of New England and accidentally gets grounded on a sandbar. So the captain sends a crew of nine led by the political officer who is Yuri, who is Alan Arkin, to try and get some help or do what he can in this tiny little town, this tiny little island town of 200 people. So you may have guessed, uh, it also stars Carl Reiner. That was him as the interviewer in that clip. Uh, something similar he did in the 2,000-year-old man sketches with Mel Brooks. He plays the head of the household, Walt Whitaker. What a wonderfully milk-toast American name. Um, that the Russians end up meeting. Uh, his wife is played by Eva Marie Saint. He's got a couple kids. Some of the other people in this movie are Brian Keith and Theodore Bikel and Jonathan Winters as one of the local townspeople, you could probably hear him in the trailer. 
Uh, as you might imagine, things go from bad to worse. There's a series of calamities, as you would also probably expect. One, the, one of the hunky young Russian sailors falls in love with an American girl. Uh, things escalate, but finally things are resolved in the end when the submarine is escorted out of the harbor by a flotilla of the local uh, locals' boats right as the Air Force is getting ready to come in and possibly bomb them. So we have a happy ending, and there's no horrible Cold War. This movie was a big hit. It got a lot of nominations. It got four Oscar nominations for Best Picture, Best Actor for Alan Argan, Best Screenplay, and Best Editor for Hal Ashby and Terry Williams. Hal Ashby, you may know, became a director in the 70s. Uh, it did not win any of those, unfortunately. It did, however, win some Golden Globes. It won a Golden Globe for Alan Arkin. Um, it was also nominated for Best Screenplay. Arkin was nominated, as well as John Philip Law, who's in the film, for Best Promising Newcomer. Um, it also won the Writers Guild of America Award that year for Best American Written Comedy. So this was certainly Arkin's big break. The next year, he makes Wait After Dark with Audrey Hepburn. He is one of the killers menacing the blind Audrey Hepburn. The year after that is when he made Inspector Clouseau. You can go back to episode four of the plot to hear us talk about what was probably an ill-judged idea, replacing Alan Arkin as Clouseau from Peter Sellers and Blake Edwards also not making that film. He does a bunch of other things ensuing then. And then 1970 is probably his next next big break, uh, big motion picture, when he is cast as Captain Yossarian and Mike Nichols' big-budget all-star cast and some would also say ill-fated version of Joseph Heller's Catch-22. Here he is near the end of the film interacting with, of all people, Orson Welles. Unless I miss my guess, Captain, you're out of uniform. What are you looking at? Get back in the car, you smirking slut. Why aren't you wearing clothes, Captain? I don't want to. What do you mean you don't want to? Why the hell don't you? I don't know. I just don't want to. <laughs> Why isn't he wearing clothes? He's talking to you. Why isn't he wearing clothes, Major? Why isn't he wearing clothes, Sergeant? A man was killed in his plane over Avignon last week and bled all over him. His clothes haven't come back from the laundry yet. Where are his other uniforms? They're in the laundry, too, sir. Where is his underwear? In the laundry, sir. That sounds like a lot of crap to me. It is a lot of crap, sir. Sir, you have my word for it. This man will be punished severely. What the hell do I care? If he wants to receive a medal without any clothes on, what the hell business is it of yours? That's my sentiments exactly, sir. Here's your medal, Captain. You're a very weird person, you serious. Thank you, sir. We all know Catch-22, right? Do I really have to explain what Catch-22 is? I suppose I do. So it was an anti-war novel by Joseph Heller. And Captain Eusarian is a bomber stationed in the Mediterranean during World War II. And just when he's about to get cycled out and go home, 
they raise the number of flights for bombers and they keep escalating and he keeps trying to say that he's crazy uh this is a, a very reminiscent of corporal Klinger and mash but the doctor tells him of course you're not crazy if you want to go home and you can't go home because you're crazy the this is where the phrase catch 22 comes from so when i say an all-star cast i am not kidding here are just some of the people listening there are probably more that i may be forgetting uh, alan arkin as we mentioned bob balaban as captain Orr, martin balsam as colonel cathcart richard benjamin as major danby norman fell as first sergeant Towser, art garfunkel as lieutenant nately jack guilford as doc charles groden as captain aardvark buck henry as Lieutenant Colonel Korn, Bob Newhart as Major Major, Anthony Perkins as the chaplain, Paula Prentice as the nurse, Martin Sheen as one of the pilots, John Voigt as one of the pilots, and of course Orson Welles as General Dreedle. So this movie is one of these infamous uh, late 1960s, early 1970s all-star films that was made and a lot of people thought the book was unfilmable a lot of people have issues with mike nichols adaptation there have been a couple more over the years george clooney did one in the not too distant past you can check that out but arkin is great as captain yosarian as the same guy trying to deal with the insanity of war the funny thing, this is made in 1970. At the same time, Alan Arkin and his wife, Barbara Dana, were appearing regularly on Sesame Street. Once again, it's time for Larry and Phyllis. As we join them today, we find Larry making a strange noise. <gasps> You mean this? That's singing, Phyllis. Oh, you're singing? It may not sound very good to you, but that's the best I can do. When I go... Oh, that's so... That sounds good. Yeah? You think that sounds good? Yeah, well, um, it sounds good to me. I can't sing very well myself. Really? Yeah. All I can do is... Beep, beep. Beep, beep. That's all you can do? You wouldn't laugh at me. No, I, a fellow that can only go... <gasps> wouldn't laugh at a thing like that. Wouldn't laugh at a... Beep, beep. Beep, beep. I wouldn't laugh at that. Hey, you know what? Maybe since I can only go... <gasps> and you can only go... Beep, beep. If we did it together, it wouldn't sound quite so funny. Oh. What do you think? What if if we um, if we did it together? If we, if we did it, if it we, would be it would be uh, we we Revelable. would be um a trainer a trainer trainer a crown a crown a trainer trust of Right. Oh, cooperate. Cooperate. That's right. 
that's what it would be if we did it together. Right, right. Let's try it and see what happens. actually made four episodes of the 70-71 season as Larry and Phyllis. Later in the decade, Arkin would also be on The Muppet Show. Uh, that's the episode where there's some sort of weird Jekyll and Hyde thing and Kermit goes crazy. You may have seen those pictures of Kermit when he has fur and fangs. Uh, it's from that episode. So Arkin does a lot of famous movies in the 70s, including... One that isn't so famous, which is Little Murders in 1971, but that was his first directorial effort. He makes Freebie and the Bean in 1974 with James Caan. He makes The 7% Solution, which is when Sherlock Holmes meets Sigmund Freud. He plays Sigmund Freud. He makes Fire Sale in 1977, which he also directs. And then in 1979, arguably Arkin's most famous film, and maybe his best film, is that he's also the executive producer of, and that's the Andrew Bergman written comedy, The In-Laws, starring Alan Arkin and Peter Falk. We're not going to make clips of this one, because you need to experience this movie for your own without, hopefully, any preconceived notions. And two, it's very blue, and I did not really want to edit the clips. Needless to say, it's a very sort of hackneyed premise that is amazingly funny. Um... Arkin is an uptight dentist who meets Peter Falk, who is the father of the guy marrying Arkin's daughter. And it turns out Peter Falk is a CIA operative, and he's apparently gone off the grid with his own missions to uh, destabilize Latin American currency, and there's a bunch of other weird stuff going involved. We learn Falk may or may not have been the one who came up with the idea for the Bay of Pigs. You can uh, you can see how this is fraught with comedy, with Arkin playing the high-strung sort of Richard Dreyfus uh, nebbish type, and Peter Falk being Peter Falk uh, as a grubby sort of CIA operative who gets all the funny lines. This is a great, great movie. It was released not too long ago on the Criterion Collection. Definitely go and get a copy of that if you can. So we move on to the 80s. Uh, we have a bunch of famous films, not as many necessarily as... The 80s has a lot of films you've probably heard of that aren't necessarily as well-received as stuff from the 70s. He was in Choo Choo and the Philly Flash with Carol Burnett made the return of Captain Invincible. He was in Bad Medicine. Uh, in a very serious film, as opposed to a lot of the comedy Arkin does, he made a film called Escape from Sobivore, which is uh, dealing with the Holocaust. In 1990, he's in Edward Scissorhands. You may not remember that. The same year, 
he's in Robert Redford's Havana. But the next clip we're going to talk about, which comes in the next year, is when he plays Peavy in the Disney adaptation of Dave Stevens' comic, The Rocketeer. I like it. What in the hell is the matter with you? Are you trying to kill yourself? We don't know how long this thing stays up, how much fuel's in her. If you want to look around, you got to use your eyeballs. This thing's got a rudder on it. If you turn your head, you change course. You hear what I'm saying? Boy, you banged that up pretty good. I don't know if I'm going to be able to fix that. Phoebe, you can fix anything. Uh oh, we got company. Must be the newsboys. You put on quite a show. They can't find out who we are, Phoebe. Whoever owns this thing is going to want it back. And I'm just getting the hang of it. Phoebe, put it in neutral. What? Put it in neutral. You steer, I'll push. That was right after Cliff has taken his first flight using the jetpack and crashes in a pond and Cliff and PV have to try and escape before the reporters show up. Um, PV, if you've never read The Rocketeer or seen The Rocketeer, is based on the longtime animator and comic book artist Doug Wildey, who people may know as the creator of Johnny Quest. The Rocketeer, if you haven't seen it, is on Disney Plus and is one of the best superhero films you probably haven't seen. It stars Billy Campbell and Jennifer Connelly and Timothy Dalton as a thinly veiled Errol Flynn and Arkin and Paul Servino and a bunch of other people, including someone playing Rondo Hatton. If you don't know who Rondo Hatton is, look him up. The very next year after making The Rocketeer, Arkin is in Glen Gary, Glen Ross, uh, along with Jack Lemmon, Al Pacino, and Kevin Spacey, and a murderer's row of actors. We all know Glen Gary, Glen Ross. So then in the 90s, he made So I Married an Axe Murder. He made the infamous movie North. He was in the Jerky Boys movie. You may not remember that one. He was in Mother Night, the adaptation of the Kurt Vonnegut novel. He was in Gattaca, Slums of Beverly Hills, Jacob the Liar. And for our last clip today, one of my favorite comedies of the 1990s, John Cusack, Psychiatrist, in Gross Point Blank. I got invited to my 10-year high school reunion. I'm conflicted. I mean, I don't know if I really want to go. It's in Detroit. You know, I grew up there, but I just honestly don't know what I have in common with those people anymore. I mean, or with anyone, really. I mean, they'll all have husbands and wives and children and houses and dogs and, you know, they'll made themselves a part of something and they can talk about what they do and what am I going to say? I killed the president of Paraguay with a fork. How have you been? I just think it'll be depressing. It'll be depressing. Shouldn't you be taking notes or something? I'm not taking notes, Martin, because I'm not your doctor. Please don't start with that stuff again. Martin, I'm emotionally involved with you. 
How are you emotionally involved with me? I'm afraid of you. You're afraid of me. And that constitutes an emotional involvement, and it would be unethical for me to work with you under those circumstances. Don't you think maybe you're just upset because I told you what I do for a living, and you got upset, and you're letting it interfere with our dynamic? Whoa. Martin, you didn't tell me what you did for a living. For yes, I did. You didn't tell me what you did for a living for four sessions. Then you told me, and I said, I don't want to work with you. And yet you come back every week at the same time. That's a difficulty for me. On top of that, if you've committed a crime or if you're thinking about committing a crime, I have to tell the authorities. I know the law, okay? But I don't want to be withholding. I'm very serious about this process. And I know where you live. Oh, and I see. That wasn't a nice thing to say. That wasn't designed to make me feel good. That's a kind of a not-too-subtle intimidation, and I, uh, I get filled with anxiety when you talk about something like that. Come on, I mean, that's... Come on. I was just kidding, all right? The thought never crossed my mind. You did think of it, Martin. You thought of it, and then you said it. And now I'm left with, uh, with the aftermath of that, thinking I gotta, I gotta be creative in a really interesting way now, or Martin's gonna blow my brains out. You're holding me hostage here. That's not right. I just want to work. Okay? There's some issues that I need to work on in my life. I've read your books, your bestsellers on the top 20. They were both ghostwritten, Martin. What? The Annihilation of Death? Yeah. The Kill Who? A Warrior's Dilemma? I read it. It was New York Times top 20. Well, I don't, I don't know what to say. Well, what do you say to other patients, you know? I don't know. How does it work? Ask me how I'm feeling. How do you feel? I'm feeling uneasy, man. Um, I'm just dispassionate. I'm bored. I'm... It's hard to stay in a good mood. I've had problems with work. You know, concept execution stuff and... Just ill at ease. Well, look, Martin, I don't want to suggest anything that might be uncomfortable for you, but you might consider, just consider the possibility that part of your problem, part of the thing that's making you so miserable is the angst over killing a lot of people. Maybe I just put it in the background there. Come on. If I show up at your door, chances are you did something to bring me there. Okay? I don't care about that stuff. You don't care about what stuff? You know, morality. Hmm. I don't want to talk about work, because I don't think necessarily what a person does for a living reflects who he is. So what do we do? We talk about dreams, or what's next? What's next? What's the score here? Talk about dreams. We can talk about dreams. It's your nickel. Sure. Um, I had another one about Debbie. That girl you're obsessed with? Don't you think obsessed is a strong word? Uh, recurring dreams of loss and pain for ten years, featuring the same person. Yeah, maybe it's a bit excessive. Um, I had one where I was uh, that television mechanical rabbit. You know, with the the the, the battery bunny. Yeah, I was the bunny. That sounds like a very, very depressed dream. Really? Yes. Why? Mine is a terrible dream. It's a depressing dream to dream about that rabbit. It's got no brain. It's got no blood. It's got no anima. It just keeps banging on those meaningless symbols endlessly and going and going and going. Time is up. T time's up already? You really want to do a half a session? Can we just pretend like we have a normal doctor-patient relationship? I'll ask you a piece of advice. You give me an answer. You know, advice. Should I go to the reunion? Yes, yes. Get out of town. Thank you. Go see some old friends. Have some punch. Visit with what's-her-name? Debbie. Debbie, don't kill anybody for a few days. See what it feels like. I'll uh, give it a shot. No, no, don't give it a shot. Don't shoot anything. Oh. Kids, if you haven't seen Gross Point Blank, go check it out. It stars... John Cusack as a hitman who is conflicted about going to his 10-year high school reunion and meeting up with his old flame, who is played by Minnie Driver. Arkin is his psychiatrist. Dan Aykroyd is one of the other assassins. John Cusack is in it as his assistant. Jeremy Piven and Hank Azaria. 
are in it. A bunch of other people you may recognize or not. Uh, the funniest casting of all in Grace Point Blank, and you have to know your John Cusack lore to get this, is that Benny the Jet Eurekes is in the film, who is a former kickboxer, and if you've seen anything, seen say anything, you know why that's funny. So definitely, uh, also, Grace Point Blank has one of the best soundtracks of the 1990s. So if you don't watch the film, at least go and look at the soundtrack. The other thing from the 90s that I did not mention, perhaps you thought I skipped, was Little Miss Sunshine, which got Alan Arkin the Oscar. Um, not the world's biggest fan, so I'm not going to play any clips of it. My podcast, my choice. So he keeps working in the 2000s. Um, he's in Santa Claus 3. He's in Get Smart, where he plays the chief. Of course, you know, he was friends with a lot of those guys back in the 60s. He was in noted tearjerker Marley and Me. Uh, he's in the Muppet movie in 2001, or 2011, going back to the Muppets again. Uh, he's in Million Dollar Arm. He's in the remake of Dumbo. And his last uh, final film was in the Minions film as a uh, voice actor. There's also one film that's going to be released posthumously called The Smack. Like I said, he did a lot of TV. We mentioned he was in Choo Choo and the Philly Flash with Carol Burnett. He was actually in an episode of the Carol Burnett show where he sang with her. He was in an episode of St. Elsewhere. He was on Fairytale Theater. Went to Chicago Hope. And a bunch of other things. Uh, and of course, he still did a lot of stuff on the stage. And like I said... He, he wrote a couple books, including an autobiography. So all in all, a wonderfully great career. Uh, definitely one to be celebrated. Uh, most of everything I've mentioned is available on streaming, or you can probably still find it on DVD. So definitely check some of that stuff out. Definitely see The Russians Are Coming, The Russians Are Coming. Definitely see The In-Laws see Gross Point Blank, all of those for Arkin, see Glengarry Glen Ross just because he's one of an amazing bunch of people in that film, and some of the other things that I've definitely mentioned. So, rest in peace, Alan Arkin, you will be missed. Hill and Gully Rider, Hill and Gully.